thing as well as possible to be all about somebody else, the reality is we still argue. Isn't that right? I think, I remember my mom saying growing up, you know, you guys are eating steak for lunch and I'm having, you know, I'm having a tomato sandwich. And I'm just, you know, I'm eating terrible. She's like doing everything for us. She'd be like, she doesn't even know where her makeup is, hasn't fixed her hair in a month. That's like, I just hear my mom saying all those things. (laughs) And just feeling like she's living to, to do something for kids. My parents joked, like, a lot of you parents do, you know, that you're just running a shuttle service, taking kids from point A to point B. And, uh, and man, even when it feels like, as a parent, you're living much of your life for someone else, even when you're doing that part right, there's still a whole lot of arguing that can go on. And there's still a whole lot of back and forth that you can do. And here's the hard thing for all you people that like to win. <laughs> um, I'm not much of a winner myself. Uh, When I was in high school, uh, we won five games in football my senior year. Five games, and we made the front page of the newspaper um, because that was the best year we'd had in a long, long time. And so I'm not really used to winning, so this is not a big problem for me. Our softball team, we're not defeated but we haven't won any. We did tie one. So, but I wasn't even there for the tie. I was out that week. So um, I'm not used to winning. It doesn't bother me to lose. Um, but if you're used to winning, when you win, you get a trophy, right? You get to relish the victory. When Ole Miss wins the SEC baseball championship at 2 o'clock today, <laughs> we're going to relish the victory. Uh, I needed to do laundry or I was going to wear it. And I started to just stink, but, you know. Some of you guys don't even know it's baseball season. It is. It is baseball season. Um, But at home, when you win an argument, you definitely don't get a trophy. And when you win an argument at home, you don't really win at all. Nobody wins, no matter who comes out on top. You joined a debate team and you won an argument. Everybody told you how great you were. And when you win an argument at home, everybody tells you about all the other things you've done wrong, even though you happen to be right this one time. And winning arguments at home never really feels like winning. Here's a reality that I think is true for 99% of us. If I ask you, anybody here, and, and whether it's whether it's your family of origin, your parents, your brothers and sisters, or whether it's you, your spouse, your kids, or whether it's just a few um, people that are really, really close friends that you kind of consider family. If I said, why do you argue? You would probably begin with he or she, right? You'd probably begin with, well, he just wants to come home and watch the game and not thinking that, that there are dishes that have to be done and kids need lunch for the next day. And I'm pretty much channeling all mine right now. Um, but you would start with somebody else, you know. She doesn't care about what I have to say. They don't understand me. He won't propose. All she thinks about is getting married. Yeah. All the things you're pushing, you're, every time, if I say, why do you argue Most of us start with what somebody else is or isn't doing. And I'd say, why do you fight? And you would say, well, it's not me, it's them. And I can prove to you it's not me, it's them. If they would do exactly what I want them to do, then we wouldn't argue. And that must prove that it's not me, it's them. And that's usually why we believe that we're arguing. 
But the brother of Jesus wrote a letter. And it's pretty interesting, um, this letter that he writes. He talks about why we fight and why we quarrel and why we do all that kind of thing. And he boils it down to one particular reason. But I have to think at this moment, what would it have been like to have been the brother of Jesus? When me and my brother were kids, we would fight over, you know, Mario's better. No, Mortal Kombat's better. And then, no, Mario's better. And we would start fighting over what game we were going to play on the Nintendo. And we would be all out fighting. And I just think, what if your brother was Jesus? You know, like, how does that go? You, you never really get to argue, you know. Tic-tac-toe, stickball, whatever they played in the first century. Uh, you know, Jesus just, I don't care. What, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Let's play for 10 minutes and then let's go honor our parents. You know, just something absolutely perfect. And I just wonder what that looks like. And to me, that's what makes his perspective so incredible. Is you get to, you get to hear some perspective from a guy who spent 30 years with somebody whose nickname is Peacemaker. I mean, he spent a large portion of his life living with Jesus. Seeing someone who expertly could get out of an argument or who could expertly always knew how to say just the right thing, never sinned in 30 years. That's an incredible perspective on, on everything, but especially matters of the home, because he shared his home with Jesus. So here's what he says. He says, there's a reason that you quarrel and there's a reason that you fight in James chapter 4, verse 1, he kind of shares this with us. James chapter 4, verse 1. This is a pretty interesting thing about the book of James before we read that little passage. It's probably the earliest New Testament book written. So it, 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 it was, it's called an epistle. There are all different kinds of, of, of writings in the Bible. James is an epistle. It's just a letter written to a group of people. It's written to Christians everywhere, but it's particularly Jewish because he was Jewish. And, uh, and so he writes this letter, and it's kind of got this little bit of a Jewish slant to it. But what's pretty interesting, though, is you would think the people that he's writing to, they've just had to flee. Most of them have just fled Jerusalem. And so they fled all over, really, the known world. And, and they're, they're fleeing because their lives are in danger. And you would think that if he is writing these people, he's going to say, you know why you fight and you argue? Because you're being persecuted unto death and you just had to flee your home and now you're poor and you have nothing. And, and generally situations like that lead to times where we're going to argue. And that would make a whole lot of sense. Like that would be a good reason why his readers are fighting and arguing. But he says something totally different. James chapter 4 verse 1. He says, what causes the fights and the quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That's what he says. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. That's pretty hard words, right? We'll read the rest of it in a minute. Here's what he says. He says, here's what causes the fights and the quarrels. It's not them, he, she, all those other people, what causes that is your desires. And it's not, well, she does this and she does that and, and she won't do this and I only live with women. It's all she's for me, at least for now, just in case you know, having a boy. Um, 
But man, it's not any of that. It's not what everybody else does. It is my desires. And if I wasn't worried in this moment, if I wasn't worried that fights and quarrels would literally break out among us, then I would have you guys, I'd have you turn to or just call the person that you argue and that you fight and that you quarrel with, and I would say, why don't you just tell them, um, here's all the things that I'm doing wrong with our argument, right? We're arguing, here's all the things that I'm doing wrong. And here's where the argument would come in. You guys know, the argument would come in is when you finish... And there's a little bit of silence in the line when you've said, we're arguing right now, and here's what I'm doing wrong. And the argument starts when the silence begins, because that's when the person on the other end of the line goes, and? Because they're sure that you've done way more than you're taking accountability for. And you would probably respond with, and now it's your turn. (laughs) And I believe that you have a whole lot to say. And man... When it comes to realizing that the reason that most of the fights happen that involve me have a whole lot to do with me, that's a hard thing to grab. But what if we could start? What if you could start? Before you jump into any argument, what if you could say, the reason that we're arguing, mind you, not the reason there's an issue. There's always issues. Right? There's always something that's got to be dealt with. That's just life. But the reason that, that we're arguing is because there is something that I want. There is something that I want that I am not getting. James said, you don't have what you want, and that's why you quarrel and fight. In marriage, a lot of people say, you know, I, I don't have the financial security that I want, and so we have problems. And people just thought that that's where we would be at this point in our lives. I wanted to have that, and I don't have it. And so we begin to argue about work schedule and and, and how hard do you work and and all those different kind of things. Um, My wife, she's given up on this now, praise the Lord. You know, she used to watch the way that the the guys spoke to the bachelorette. They were so sweet, you know. They had so many nice things. They were in love. They barely knew her. Um, So many great things to say. And she would say, why don't you say things like that to me? (laughs) And I would say, I know you too well. They don't even know her. Um, I'm a real wordsmith when it comes to that. Um, But man, all kind of things that we want. What do a lot of men want? Here's what I believe a lot of men want. I think a lot of men want to guiltlessly rediscover their hobbies. I just want to fish guiltlessly. I don't want to have to like put in like loads of equity so that I can go fishing. I just want to go fishing, you know? I just want to grab that one thing. And if I feel like everything's being squeezed out and I can't get what I want, it's going to lead to some arguments. When you're a kid, you know, I want my parents to come into the 21st century and recognize that I don't want to do all the things that they want me to do. That's just not what I want to do. And I don't want to live the exact life that they charted for me to live. And if we could start these discussions by recognizing that it's not you, 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 but it's me, and there's something that I want, and sure, you've got your own issues, But there's a whole lot of things that I want that I'm not getting. And I'm going to deal with those things separate from this conversation. But we'd reshape the whole conversation. 
Because here's what he tells us. He says, there's something that happens when you do that all the time. When you enter into disputes, just dead set on getting what you want. Here's what happens. He says, you desire but you do not have, so you kill. That's hard language. He's not talking about literally killing people because he's writing to the church and they're not killing one another. So, so he's not jumping in there. But he's saying you, you desire what you don't have and so you kill. And he's saying what you do is you kill the other person's self-esteem. And you kill their will. And you kill their desire to want to have a relationship with you. And when you always want to win... And you always have things that you want that you're trying to pull out of this relationship. You kill a piece of them. Parents fight and argue with their children because they want them to be successful. You just don't want them to make the terrible mistakes that you made. And man, if you have been paying for education for 12, 13 years, and then let's say you pay for college too, and maybe you pay for private college, and then all of a sudden, after all that time, your child wants to be like a social worker. And man, somebody needs to do that work. You know, it's great work. But man, the investment, will you'll never make enough money to make up that investment. And so our kid wants to do something great. And we're like, look, I spent so much money I didn't spend all this money so that you could be poor at the end. Somebody is going to make money. I'm going to be poor. That's just a given now. But somebody's not going to be. I need something from you in return for all that I've done. I've got to get something out of it. You think back at your parents and uh, and you think about some of the uh, enmity between you and your parents and some of the conflict that you had. And for most of you, I can't speak for all of you, I don't know all your parents, but uh, for most of you, I would bet that your parents don't hate you. And even if you didn't get along, I would, bet that, I would bet that some of the conflict that you had was because your parents wanted something different from you. And they wanted something out of the relationship. And what did they do? Some of our parents just drove us and drove us and drove us, so much so that when... You know, when you're young, you just, you, you got out of the house and you never repaired some of that. And you went a whole lifetime just sort of being distant from them because they always wanted to win with you. And, and the thing is that you have to stop and say, okay, I can't do anything about that. But what am I doing now? Am I pulling some of those same things, wanting to get something out of here? You, all of us, we do the same thing with our parents. Whether you're 12 or whether you're 16 or whether you're 45, I think what you really want out of your parents is you want to say, I want you to be cooler and I want you to let me do what I want. I think that's what we want out of our parents. When you're 16, you say, I want a a later curfew. That's what I want out of you. That's what I need out of this relationship. I need to be able to come in the house later. And when you're 45, you say, stop judging my parenting and my housekeeping skills. (laughs) I want you to be cooler and let me do what I want. And all throughout, man, there's something that we want to pull. And what you do when you want to win all the time is you slowly kill that relationship. And you tell your parents, your opinion doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me what you think. And you kill that little by little by little. 
every time you try to win. We do it with our spouses. We do it with close friends. Man, we do it with everybody near us. And we slowly kill them, and then we get surprised when they fight back. But the reality is when you feel like you know, you're being suffocated, when you feel like, like, like you're being killed, uh, you fight back. No wonder they fight back. They feel like they've lost everything. Or even worse, they don't fight back at all. And they just begin to believe everything that you've begun to tell them. That what they're doing is not quite good enough. That none of this is really working. And, uh, and then they just become a real shell of themselves. No wonder they fight back. On Friday, we were in the mall. And uh, my favorite place in the world. And uh, we were in the mall, and uh, Molly has this new thing where she, um, she wants a snack always. And uh, we're walking through the mall, and she says, uh, did you get me a snack? Or I want a snack. And, uh, and if you have to say no, if you don't have anything, um, she breaks into this, but why didn't you get me a snack? Do you have nothing for me? I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. Why did you forget my snack? And, and just makes you, you know, all these things like the big one is, I'm so, so, so hungry. <laughs> like, you know, we, we starve her to death. And all the people around us in the mall, and they're like, this poor small child, she's just starving. And in the midst of all that, I'm growing numb to it. And, and I'm trying to have a conversation with Jess over talking over her. And I'm telling her about something that I'm sure is very, very important. As I think back, <laughs> I think I was talking about mall architecture which she's totally into. And uh, I'm trying to talk over Molly, and I'm trying to talk about all this. And you know what I'm getting from her? I'm getting that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Uh-huh. And you know what that is. That's the, um, I'm not listening. Just keep smiling. <laughs> like, that's what she's giving me. And I know that's what I'm getting out of her. And, and, and I'm just like, you know I know you're not, you're not listening to me. I know you're not hearing anything I'm saying. And, uh, and even as those words are coming out of my mouth, that was Friday, and I started kind of beginning to get ready to preach on Friday. So all this stuff is in my mind. So even as the words flow out of my mouth, I want to take them back um, because it's just not smart to say. Um, but all these things are flowing through, and immediately, you know how things can just flood through. I say a quick prayer because immediately um, I'm flooded with perspective. And I'm thinking about... You know, what do I really want here? I really, this is going to lead to an argument. And really, I just want to win, you know? I, I'm the man, and I should be heard. And, uh, and, and she's a kid, and, and so we should be able to have a conversation. But the reality is, it, and literally, I say a quick prayer, and, and, and all of this begins to flood to me, and I'm thinking, who could listen in the middle of this? Like, here Molly is, and she's just whining, and who could listen to anybody in the middle of that? And then I realized, does she care about mall architecture? No, she does not. (laughs) Um, She has zero concern, and she tells me about things. Look, you can tell her I said, I don't care about. She tells me about things all the time. I know way too much about Tulane Accounting Management System. Tams, right? I know way too much about it. She tells me about things that I'm not concerned about. And, and, And so I know that this is one of those things she does not care about. And I also know that it is not her job to validate my ego. You know, when I I need to be heard, and it's not her job to always be the one doing that. And I say this prayer, and I just sort of get flooded with this perspective. And so wisdom that is well beyond me says, you know, Adam, you should let this go. (laughs) 
And I do. And lucky for me, Molly's still talking, so it's easy. So she doesn't engage back with me. And then it's all over before it began. But there have been many times where we've argued because I've said, I'm trying to talk to you, and, 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 I just, and, and I'm up for the fight. But the, when I pray and I get the perspective, that, that totally changes the narrative of the conversation. James says, he says, you want to end the quarreling and you want to end the fighting because nobody wants that in their home. He says, you do it like this. So uh, go back to verse 2, James chapter, chapter 4, verse 2. It says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. He says, the reason that you're fighting is because you're not getting what you want, but you don't have what you want because you do not ask God. Verse 3, says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So really, really simply, here's what he says. He says, if you want to end all the fighting, here's what you got to do. It's a two-step process, right? No, no 12 steps here, just two. Here's what you got to do. He says, number one, you got to stop being selfish. So you just got to stop being selfish. You got to stop wanting what you want for your own gain. And you just gotta, you just gotta walk away from that. And maybe that's where your prayer needs to begin. God, I pray that I would not be so selfish. I pray that I would not just want what I want. And I don't need to be paid back. You know, every parent pays for everything their kid does up to a certain point in life. Stop acting like they owe you. They don't owe you. Everybody pays for their children up to a certain point. I'm sure I'll be singing a different tune in 15 years. Um, but, absolutely, you gotta, you got to leave those things behind. So step one, you've got to stop being selfish. And step two, before you address the issue, and here's the thing that I don't mean to say. I don't mean to say issues don't need to be addressed. Things have to be addressed, and children need to be parented all throughout life. And it's not that there are not times when you have to expect things, and they will not understand what you expect, and you will argue. Um, sometimes those things will happen. Um, and I don't mean to say that you should never address anything. But stop being selfish, and then before you address the issue, here's what he says. Here's what James says really simply. He says, ask God for what you want. How many times have you had an unselfish request, and you came before God, and it was to do with your family or, or somebody that's, that's, that's really close to you, and you just, first you said, God... This is what I want. And, and, and I'm just asking you to give that to me. I know that, I know that, that, that my, my son, my daughter, my mom, my, my husband, my, my wife, I know that they can't give this to me, God, I ask, to get it from you. And maybe it's to be understood. You know, the younger you are, the more you desire to be understood. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's to feel confident in who you are. You know, you, you need to feel confident. You need somebody to validate you. And maybe instead of seeking that from, from somebody else, you say, God, I need that. I need to feel validated. I need, I need that sense of confidence. Maybe you just need to be heard. Maybe that's the big argument. Man, that's me. I just I want to speak and be heard. And, and man, maybe I'm coming to God and saying, God, I just want to be heard. I just want to know that, that when I speak, somebody cares about what I have to say. And before you jump into whatever the issue is and whatever has to be dealt with, maybe you start there. 
right before this passage, here's what James says. This is verse 18 in chapter 3. It's right before you get into chapter 4. He says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. He says, and then he goes through all of, verse, all of chapter 4 telling you what this looks like. But here's what he's saying. He says, this is the path to peace in your life. And this is the path to peace in your household. And this is the path to making a difference in the lives of people around you. This may be the path to, to inviting your co-workers to work and, and, and them coming. And this may be the path to you inviting your children to church and them coming. And this may just be the path to you having less conflict in your own home. And how does all that happen? It happens because people begin to see, wait, you're not just wanting what you want. Wait, you're not just trying to, to pull something out of me that's for your good. You really want something good for me? We don't argue, and you don't argue arbitrarily. That's unique. That's incredibly different from what everybody else is doing. And when you begin to figure that out, you become a peacemaker. Who knew you could be characterized as a peacemaker? And it makes all the difference. Stop being selfish. Ask God for what you want. And begin to end the quarrels and the fights among you. Let's pray.